Building a business is hard. Maintaining healthy relationships with those that you care about is hard. Staying fit and healthy in your body, your mind, and your emotions is hard. This podcast is about finding and sharing tools, strategies, and experiences that may help you to achieve and maintain moderate success in your life, whatever that means to you. There is a ton of content created by the billionaires, the ultra-successful athletes, and by people that are at a level that the vast majority of us will just never get to. And if you're anything like me, I'm totally okay with that. This is a place where we talk about how to build a great business, but not necessarily a massive one. A place to talk about how we build a life that is balanced and integrated, but not necessarily optimized to levels that are not realistic for most of us. In short, it's a place where we explore how to be moderately successful. The work will always remain yours, and for the most part, it's simple, but not easy. I want to challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. I want to challenge you to take whatever resonates with you from this episode and to teach it to somebody that you think will benefit from it, and to do so in the next 24 hours. This will embed the learnings for yourself, and you'll be helping someone else as well as the podcast. Lastly, please share this with whoever you think needs to have this in their lives. The more reach we can get, the more impact we can have. With that said, let's get into it. It's really good to be back. It's been a while. I took a couple of weeks off for various reasons, but should be back continuously now for the next run. So today I want to speak about what I call increasing my surface area of luck. And the broad sort of concept comes from Naval Ravikant. As always, I will not do justice to what he shares with the world, but also as always, As I've said many times, I I copy a lot, but the way that I view this is once you take an idea, once you copy an idea and actually experience it and put it into into reality and into life, then even though it's copied, it, it becomes your own. It becomes original. It becomes something that is unique to your experience. So if you want to go into this kind of thinking, Naval Ravikant offers some really incredible insights into sort of increasing your different areas of luck. This is not that. This is me taking his wisdom, applying it to my own life, and then sharing with you what what I guess I've experienced. So it's a bit of a stream of consciousness, but here goes. So I think for me where this came from is that I realized pretty early on in my career that I'm, I'm definitely never going to be the smartest person in the room. I will never really be a specialist at anything that requires deep technical knowledge. I don't think my brain is, is set up like that, and, and that's okay. And I don't really love sales, even though as a founder for many years, I had to do it and I learned how to do it. But it kind of led me to realizing like, well, then what am I going to be really good at? And I sort of had this concept that, okay, well, I just need to increase the surface area of opportunity. I need to increase the surface area of luck. I didn't think about it in those terms way back when I sort of realized this. That's a much more elegant way of putting it than than what was going through my head. But now that looking back on it, that's kind of how I would summarize it. So, so what do I mean by this? So there are a lot of things that you can do to increase your surface area of luck. And for me personally, it, it's not about going super deep into any one area. If you're a specialist, if you're a super intelligent person with you know very specific skills, I do believe that going crazy, crazy deep into one area can absolutely increase your surface area of luck through reputation, etc. But today I want to share what's worthwhile for me, which is not that. It's not going super deep into any one specific area. So one of the things that I've always done is I've, I've always taken the meeting. So it's a little bit less so these days, but certainly in the early days of, of my career and Nona, I always used to take the meeting and I always used to set up the meeting. So I'll, I'll sort of share some stories with you to try and illustrate this. So in the earlier days of Nona, we used to travel pretty frequently to London. 
couldn't really afford to do it, used to do it anyway. And we would go there because at that stage, the world was not really a global marketplace. And if we were able to sell ice our services in pounds, but our cost base was in South African rands, that would be a, a really good way to make you know additional margin. And there were still some pretty significant barriers to doing work across the world back then. COVID changed everything, but this was way before then. So we would travel pretty cheap over to, to, to London. We would take even cheaper accommodation. And I would just cram as many possible meetings as I could into the week that we would be there. So sometimes there would be upwards of 10 meetings in a day. And the point is that I knew that most of those meetings would not result in business. In fact, the majority of those meetings were not even really within our target market because we didn't actually have a target market at that stage other than anyone who would pay for what we did. But it was about building a network. It was about building the muscle of networking. It was about just listening to people, talking to people. And it's a bit of a blunt instrument because it was not very targeted, but eventually the, the sheer sort of surface area that we were covering would lead to opportunity. And it did. Eventually opportunity did begin to come. Now, this is kind of counter to what most sort of marketers and what have you would tell you is that, you know, figure out who your target audience is, which I agree with completely, and then sort of go super, super intentionally after that audience. And I agree with that completely. But at that stage, I didn't even know what niching was. I didn't even know what a target customer was. I just had this view that if I spoke to a lot of people within the geography that we wanted to play and broadly tried to have people that were tangential or directly within our, our sort of target area, that our reputation would grow and introductions would be made and we would eventually get business. And we absolutely did. So if we fast forward a few years, just to sort of illustrate the point, the vast majority of our revenue at Nona came from outside of South Africa. So the US, the UK, Australia, all over the world. And I really do believe that it started with this view on business development that is just cover a very big surface area very often all the time with high quality conversations. So that's a sort of illustration of what I mean by always take the meeting. Just be meeting people all the time. Be good to them. Be honest. Offer to help. Don't just take. Be interesting. Ask interesting questions. And you're increasing your surface area of luck because you're just touching more and more and more and more people. And these things compound. You know, we talk about networking. This was my view of what networking was, is just have tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of meetings. And over the years, it really does pay dividends. Pick a field of interest and be generous with your knowledge is the next thing. So I post a lot on LinkedIn. I do this podcast. I've done a previous podcast. I do these things to talk about and share about the things that I care about, I'm interested in, and now after you know, a 20-odd year career, have experience in, and the things that I want to be known for, and the things that I want to build a reputation for being known for. And it takes a hell of a long time to build a reputation. And I think we need to be deliberate about what kind of reputation we want to build. And I really do believe that this increases the surface area of luck. So for example, I've spoken about this a few times before, but I really believe that one of the biggest ways that you can differentiate yourself is by quite simply always doing the thing that you said you're going to do. So, you know, there's cliches like under promise over deliver and unfortunately too many people over promise and under deliver. But if you look around you, especially in the business world, how many people do you know that have got an incredibly strong reputation for just being absolutely rock solid in if they say they're going to do it, they're going to do it. So I'm not talking about bells and whistles and fireworks and flashiness. 
I'm just saying those people that you know that are just 100% reliable, you can depend on them. If they say they're going to do it, you know that they're going to do it. And if you can build a reputation on something like that, and the way that you build that reputation is just by literally being consistent day in, day out, month in, month out, year in, year out, you begin to build that reputation and people begin to refer the right types of people to you within that reputation. So for us at Nona, for example, it was very important for us that we sort of emanated this this vibe of we've got this, we've got this and we've got you. So it wasn't a value. It wasn't our mission statement. It was just, we spoke about it a lot internally that we just wanted to be the company that made our customers feel like we've got this, we've got your back, we've got you. And if you deliver on that experience, not the words, we never told clients that, but if you deliver on that experience over and over and over again, people begin to refer you. And a referral, as we know, is far more valuable than any outbound sales tactic or anything. So if we pick an area that we have interest, we have passion, and we have, even if it's just some experience in, and we begin to be generous with that knowledge consistently on a platform like LinkedIn, we begin to build up a reputation of somebody who is an expert in that field or somebody who is passionate in that field or somebody who is on a journey to become an expert in that field. And it's an incredibly magnetic pull that opportunities begin to just come to you. If you're honest about it, if you're not arrogant, if you're generous rather than just taking, if you're giving experience, if you're sharing experience, again, that surface area of luck really begins to find you and opportunities begin to come to you within that area. So that was another thing that's really helped me and continues to help me. I think another part is a little bit more nuanced and maybe more difficult, but if we're talking about a business context and we're talking about quote unquote luck, if we take the, the sort of Nona story, you know, we needed to get to our target audience, which we eventually did understand very well, but our target audience was a very, very difficult audience to get to. So we were targeting fintech and blockchain founders and decision makers of scale-ups. And our definition of scale-ups in terms of our sort of niching was had hit product market fit and had raised a significant amount of funding such that money was no longer the primary constraint. These people are very, very difficult to get to. You raise a lot of money and all of a sudden the whole world just wants a piece of you. So we had to figure out a way to get to these people in a way that they wanted to be gotten to. In other words, in a way that added value to them, not just, hey, will you give us your business? So we, what we did in our case, and this is just an example, I'm not saying that this is what must be done, but we created a podcast and that podcast was a very, very deliberate strategy. We didn't really care that much about how many followers and listeners we had. What we cared about was that we could use this platform to get to people that would otherwise not even answer the call. And what we did is we sort of leaned into the human ego. And I don't say this in a derogatory way because I'm the same and you're probably the same. When somebody says to you, hey, can I talk to you about the thing that I want to sell you? You kind of shut down a bit. And especially if it's on a platform like LinkedIn or email, you probably won't even respond. But if somebody says, hey, congrats on your Series B raise. I really love what company X is doing. I love your positioning. I'd really love to hear more about your insights and your story. I'd love to interview you on the podcast. The hit rate goes up exponentially because you're not actually asking them anything anymore. You're saying, I want to hear your stories, hear your insights. I want to give you an opportunity. I want you to teach me. I want you to help me. And your hit rate goes up exponentially. And we had massive success. We had more guests than we could take on the podcast, all of which were extremely successful founders. And it was because we shifted that sort of, let's call it platform from 
hey, let's go ask people to work for us to let's create a platform that our target audience really wants to be on. It gives value to them and the rest is kind of history. And, you know, I would say that that was a a big part of the sort of, let's say the last year or two of, of our success was finding that platform. Now, let me just be clear. I'm not saying that you must start a podcast. What I'm saying is figure out the people that can exponentially increase the value in your business or whatever it is that you're trying to increase and then take it a step further and think about how you can contact them, but in a way that adds value to them, not just in, a, in, in an extraction, that is the word I'm looking for, capacity to take things from them. And again, you'll see your surface area of luck increase exponentially because all of a sudden in, in, in our example, we had some incredibly influential and successful people introducing us to the same kinds of people saying, oh, you got to meet Mike because of this, because of that. It was such a great experience, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's another very sort of targeted way to increase one's one's surface area of luck. And then I think the last one, which we did quite a lot in the, especially in the earlier days of getting into the blockchain space when when no one really knew anything about it, <laughs> although arguably, I think maybe that's still the case. But something that that that, that one of my co-founders, Ed, and I sort of shared, I, well, I won't put words in his mouth, I'll, I'll, I'll claim it or own it myself and, and, and he can decide that. But I don't like looking like an idiot, right? I don't think many people do. And at the same time, we figured out quite early that one of the best possible ways for us to increase our sort of thought leadership uh, profile and our profile in general and our subject matter expert and kind of expert status in the market was to get up on stage and to speak about things that we should be experts about. Now, the should is is, is the interesting part because I can still remember the first time I gave a talk on on, on blockchain. I didn't really understand what I was going to do the talk on. And I knew that I had to start putting myself out there. And this wasn't the first time I had done this, but if you don't like looking like an idiot, which I'm guessing you don't, and if you want to be considered an expert or at least on your way to being an expert in an area, a fantastic way to force learning is to offer to give a talk. And it's quite simple, but quite powerful. When I offer to give a talk, I don't want to look like an idiot. So I will make sure that I know enough to sound like I know what I'm talking about and to hopefully even actually know what I'm talking about when I give that talk. So we started doing talks on blockchain and smart contracts. And this is just an example. But very quickly, our knowledge collectively and my knowledge grew very, very fast because I would hyper sort of cram knowledge and learn knowledge so that I could give a talk on a subject that I actually understood and then I wouldn't look like an idiot. And then the next time I did it, it was a little bit easier and I could go a bit deeper. And the next time, same thing. And the next time, same thing. And the next time, same thing. To the point where we ended up watch, uh, running a two-day blockchain smart contract and cryptocurrency workshop in London, in Canary Wharf, to investment bankers and heads of family offices and, and bankers, etc. And that kind of started from a place of not even really understanding the subject. So the point I'm making is like, if you want to get better at something that you want to know a lot about, then offer to give talks on that subject because it'll force you to learn very quickly about it. And again, how does that come back to surface area of luck? When you're standing up on a stage, people tend to listen to you. So you need to make sure you know what you're talking about. But when you're standing up on a stage, people come to you. So you get off if you give a decent decent talk or if you're part of a decent panel or if you're giving a decent keynote. When you step off the stage, you'll have far more people coming to you to talk to you about that thing than you ever would if you just went into the same conference or the same talk as a um, as a passenger you know as a as an audience member so so the sort of the thing i'm trying to get across there is like put yourself in uncomfortable positions around the subject that you want to be known for so that you accelerate not just your knowledge but your perception of being a knowledgeable person in the industry within that subject i think i'll end off with uh, one of my favorite quotes which um 
is attributed to Gary Player, a really good golfer. I can't remember the exact context, but you know, I think he won one of the one of the large tournaments or opens or whatever. And I think he was being interviewed. I mean, I could totally be making this this first part up, but the way that I remember it was that he kind of said he was sort of chirped, saying, "Oh, you know, well done, you've 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 won this." Um, and I guess you got a little bit lucky. And he said, yeah, you know, that's the interesting thing about luck is that the more I practice, the luckier I get. And it's always stuck with me is that because I'm not, you know, super intelligent and I can't really take any shortcuts, I'm going to have to be very deliberate about how I increase that surface area of luck. It's not just going to come to me and it's not going to come to me through a deep specialization. So I'll end this with a bit of a question. And it's it's just what is the kind of luck you want to attract yourself and what is the best way that you can do it? What is the shortest distance between where you are and increasing your surface area of luck? And are you prepared to put in the time for the next one, two, three, five, 10, 20 years to compound that luck? Because I really do believe that it's a bit of a compounding return. I hope something in this was useful. I'll be back soon. If you want to talk about working with me as a business improvement coach, please reach out either on mike at smbmastery.com.au or you can find me on LinkedIn. Please do share this podcast with whoever you think will get value from it. And if you have five minutes, please do give us a rating and review. They really do help with making the podcast visible. The link is in the show notes. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back soon with the next episode.